You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. It's just such a blessing to gather together with God's people. I mean, you know, individual worship is, is vital, but there's no substitute for doing this together. When I hear you guys sing, it, it just strengthens my heart and encourages me, and I hope that you're experiencing that same thing. So if you're uh, new to us or a visitor or a guest here um, this morning, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we're not going to single you out or embarrass you, um, but we just want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and he wants to speak to you today, so you just open your heart up to him. Uh, every, every heart that's open to him and everybody that's seeking him, he promises us, if you seek him, you will find him. You're in a good place today. Because God's presence is here, and his heart is towards you, and he really wants to encourage you and strengthen you and draw you to himself. Amen? There's nothing better than that. So uh, this morning, first of all, I have to apologize to our uh, children's ministry uh, leaders. Um, We had a great idea for what we wanted to do for this Advent season, uh, and it all focuses around the kids. Uh, Not all of it, but a lot of it does. And I forgot to tell the children's (laughs) ministry leaders uh, that's not a reflection on the value that I place on you guys. I totally am blown away by your work and dedication and so excited to see what's going to happen at the, um, what is it, two weeks from tonight? Two weeks from tonight, the children's uh, ministry, um, uh, what are we calling it? It's a, it's, is that like a play or a, it's a play, okay, a musical, good, okay. So that's two weeks from tonight, so um, we what we usually do for, um, for Advent, um, and uh, that's, f- if you're not uh, part of a, ever have any kind of a background in uh, liturgical uh, worship, it's the four weeks before Christmas um, that are sort of like a buildup every week. And what we usually do is we light an Advent candle every week. We have somebody, uh, a family from our congregation, share a little bit about their um, traditions and what they do. Uh, their favorite memory or something like that um, that they do uh, to, to celebrate Christmas. And we've done it like internationally. We've had people that are from, you know, um, from other countries share how they celebrate Christmas. Uh, we've had, you know, young families, singles, um, you know, single uh, adults um, share. Um, this, way, this year what we wanted to do is, is a little bit different. And so every week we're going to have a family um, unwrap a gift. Um, like literally unwrap a gift, and, uh, and then the sermon is going to be uh, following up on that. So this morning I've asked um, uh, Luke and Hannah Johnson and their precious family to come, and they're going to kick this off uh, with us. So let's give them a good welcome as they come this morning. So the first one is going to be that little gift. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's taped. It's impenetrable. There you go. Show everybody what the gift is. There we go. Cool. Do you, 
walked in darkness, seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of, of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his soldier, shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father of Prince of Peace, Seven of Increase of the Government and of Peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold a, a a it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might, save, might, might be saved through him. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there, were, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You know, growing up in church and um, growing up like from a little kid seeing the Christmas trees and the nativity scene, you become kind of like, that's what you expect at Christmas when you're an adult. But it's, this is a good reminder to take it piece by piece, to remember where it all starts, remember where our salvation starts, why we're here. And it started with a, like the lowest beginning from this child a young girl who just was obedient that's what he's constantly looking at is for a, an obedient heart Amen. and it doesn't matter what you have to give this that you obey and I remember last year I was reflecting last year because we actually did the advent candle last year and it was right after we had adopted Gabe and I remember whenever God first talked to me about adopting Gabe and I was like I don't have anything I don't have time I don't have energy and God's like I didn't ask you what you have I asked you to say yes and I think that's just what he's asked from the beginning not for what you have he didn't come to Mary he's like what do you got for me he said I have something for you you just have to say yes so that's, that's what I feel like we need to reflect on you know, it's not, hey, what do I have to give God? But, God, I'm ready to accept what you have for me. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much that you humble yourself. That we just get to have a relationship with you. You humble yourself so much that you allow us to come to your feet you allow us to be your bride, and you call us child. 
God, we just thank you so much that you're so loving and so giving and that we can just take every day to reflect on what a wonderful father you are and what a wonderful God you are that we get to serve and that you're just waiting. You're just waiting for us to say yes, to step closer, to step further out into the waters and trust you, God. I thank you so much that you came born as a child in the most humble of ways so that you could just connect, just so that you could have a relationship with us. You humble yourself out of the greatest kingdom, out of the greatest throne, so that you can just be with us and be in this relationship with us, God. What a great God we get to serve. Give me a pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, the kids can go to continue their practice, and uh, we're going to start a new series this morning, and the title of the series is The Gift Of, and uh, every week we're going to look at an, a gift that's associated with uh, our uh, Christmas story and the significance of that. Every week we're going to unpack, literally unpack a gift, and, uh, and then we're going to talk about what that gift means uh, to us. So this week um, is, uh, well, first of all, just kind of give you a little bit of, um, of intro uh, to the, the whole giving of gifts um, thing. Obviously, um, the, uh, the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, and that's kind of what, it, it's sort of the spirit of the season is that, um, you know, you're, you're overflowing and you want to give. You're overflowing with worship, overflowing with joy, overflowing with hope, and that's what initiates giving in us, and that's the key to giving, is that not that we have excess that we want to give, but that we are in a state of rejoicing, in a state of um, just gratitude, uh, and that reflects in our bringing gifts to each other and to the Lord. Um, James uh, 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow uh, due to change. Um, so as, as we're talking about this, this, um, this season, uh, one of the things that I want to do is to kind of give you some tips as to how to be good uh, gift givers. Um, some people are really good. Have you ever known anybody that's like a really good gift giver? Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever known somebody that's a really poor gift giver? Anybody like in your family and your past and your history? You know, when you're coming up as a little kid and you unwrap a gift, there's nothing worse than unwrapping a gift and already knowing what it is and knowing that it's like a pair of socks or underwear is even worse, you know, and you have to unwrap it in front of everybody and then, you know, it's like your hope is so high and then it's like you're, there's just this disappointment that comes. Well, I'm going to try to give you some tips that will help you sort of avoid that um, and be like God in giving gifts because we're all recipients of gifts, right, from the Lord, and that's what we give out of. And so if we're not, if we're not receiving that from the Lord, then what we have to give uh, is going to be really limited in its scope. But if we're receiving that from the Lord, the gifts that we give are going to be a reflection of the gifts that he gives. So... We'll start, we're starting there in, uh, in James uh, chapter 1, verse 17, that God is the ultimate gift giver. He is the best gift giver. Uh, he, uh, God is a giver, and everyone who loves him and everyone that he um, rules their life becomes a giver. We become generous um, in, uh, with, with ourselves and with our, with our lives. So Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15, 19, and 20 um, says uh, that he is the image of the invisible God, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now, the reason why I love this scripture so much uh, is that it's all, it's all in there. It's all right there. You know, God, uh, one of the uh, first, well, I think it's the first commandment, God says, not to worship any false gods, 
And when he, when he says that, he also says, don't make for yourself any graven image. And now I always thought, you know, that idols were, you know, just um, sort of like something visible that represents something, you know, that's invisible. Um, something that is, an idol is a small god. It's not a, um, it's, not, it's not omnipotent. It has one little niche that it fills, you know, whether it's like prosperity or partying or um, uh, fertility. Um, a, 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 an idol is a small god, and most of the time idols don't lay any claim to omnipotence, you know, being all-powerful, um, omniscient, being all-knowing. Little gods don't claim those things. And the reason why God said don't make for yourself a graven image is because there was going to be one image of God. And that image was his son. So he didn't want us to like worship pictures or, you know, make a statue of him or some kind of representation. When Israel did that, they immediately fell because that God was way too small. I don't even understand why they made like a golden calf. I mean, like, that's got to be the lamest God that I can imagine, you know? And actually what it did was it... It, it uh, drew them away from the real God. And that's what an idol always will do. God says, don't make, any, make for yourself any graven images. Why? Because God was going to give us an image of his self. We want to see him, you know? I mean, we, we worship God, and he's invisible, and sometimes that is just so frustrating. And God says, I understand. I'm going to give you an image of myself that that shows you who I am, what I am, what I do, what I can do, how I want you to live as an example, but more than an example, as, as a brother, as a friend. And so that's what Jesus Christ is. And the reason why I love this scripture is, is because once you start reading it, it's hard to tell whether he's talking about the Father or whether he's talking about the Son or whether he's talking about the Spirit. They're, they're all mixed up in there. He is the image of the invisible God for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The first gift that we're looking at this week is usually like if you said, you know, we're going to take these figures from the manger scene and one by one we're going to unwrap them. Most people would think that we would end with baby Jesus. Like, you know, it's like that would be the, the last thing. But I'm like, uh-uh. I want to start with that because that is the image of God. All the rest of it is the result of that. But listen to me, that gift is nothing less than God himself. God gave himself. So it's like you say, um, you know, people that, uh, you know, criticize Christianity or are skeptical of Christianity, they say it's crazy to think that a father would cause his son to die. Why would a father ever do that? Oh, it's way worse than that, man. It's so far worse than that. Because it's not a father, it's not just a father having his son sacrifice, it's a father sacrificing himself, giving himself. You remember when, when God told um, Abraham to take Isaac, and this Isaac was a long expected, a long desire. You can't imagine how many hopes and dreams had been invested in that little baby. How long he had waited, how dearly he had, he had um, pled with God. And, and begged God and, and wrestled with God about not having a child. And then this child is born, and what does God say? Take your son. And when he says, take your son, he says, take your son, your only son, and take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. And the Bible says that Abraham got up early the next day. If there's any task in front of me that I would sleep in for, it would be that one. If you want to see somebody drag their feet, that would have been, but Abraham was not. And why is that? Because as he's going to that mountain, even as he's climbing that mountain, and just like any little kid always does, we just we kept our grandkids um, uh, on uh, Friday night. One thing that I love about them that I always forget is how many questions that they have, you know? And sometimes they're not even asking a question to get an answer. They're just asking a question to get you to talk, you know? They just want to interact with you. And that's what's going on as they're going up to this mountain is this little kid is asking his old dad 
questions. And he's saying, look, you've got everything for the sacrifice except the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? And if you want to understand why Abraham got up early, it's because he knew that there was a miracle coming. He knew that God had given him a task, and he knew that his, uh, his responsibility was obedience, unqualified obedience, unconditional obedience. He knew that he was dependent upon God completely and that no matter what God told him to do, it was only his responsibility to do it and good things were going to come as a result of that. And when Abraham answered his son, his son said, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham answered his son, and it's the key to understanding why he could get up early, why he was not dragging his feet, is because he said God will provide himself a sacrifice. There are so many different places in the Bible where there are two ways to see what they're saying. They say one thing, and it can mean two things. When Abraham said God will provide himself a sacrifice, he was literally saying God is the one that's going to take care of this, not me, not me. God wants me to be obedient, and I'll be obedient to the point of, you know, to the instant before I do what I dread doing, but I know that God is going to, to uh, deliver in this. And that's exactly what God does. And that's exactly what um, Hannah is sharing with us this morning. All God wants is obedience. He doesn't care how much you have in your bank account. He just wants you to be a giver. He doesn't care what you have at your disposal. He just wants you to give it all to him. He just wants you to say yes to him, no matter what it is. If you're here today and you've been drawing a line on God, you've been drawing, you're saying this far and no further, God wants to bust that line completely. He wants, he wants, he wants, if you want breakthrough, that line is where the breakthrough is, where you've drawn the line and said, I'm comfortable with this and I'm not comfortable with that. If you're comfortable with doing one, listen to me, when you worship God, you don't worship God just according to what you feel like doing. You worship God based on what he wants. And he's made it clear to us what he wants, what he's looking for. He is the image of the invisible God, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God provided himself as a sacrifice for us. John chapter 4 verse 10 says, Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God, you know where this is? You remember where this is? Where this is story. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for a drink of water, you would ask from him. And he would have given you water springing up to eternal life. You'd never thirst again. Where was that? Who was he talking to? Woman at the well, right? And she was coming to this earthly well. She was coming to this, you know, this spot that was so historic. It was Jacob's well, you know. And she was a broken woman. She was a, she was a despondent woman. And she was coming just to get enough water for the day. And what was waiting for her there was a fountain springing up to eternal life. And Jesus is saying to her, he said, if you knew the gift of God, and what is the gift of God there? Well, the gift of God, for one thing, is Jesus himself. But what Jesus is talking about here is the Spirit. He's talking about an overflow of the Spirit. He's talking about an indwelling that quenches your thirst, that satisfies your hunger and satisfies your thirst, the things that you're really thirsty and hungry for, that you may have been married five times looking for, that you may be living with a person because you've given up on marriage because you've failed so many times before and nobody will have you and you're just desperately clinging to one person. And what you're hungry for, you'll never get from that. You'll never get it. He doesn't look at her and say and condemn her any more than a doctor would look at somebody in the hospital and condemn them for being sick. They're sick. <laughs> they need him. They need the doctor. That's what the doctor does. And he's the Savior, and that's what the Savior does. If he can just get our eyes off of this temporary, you know, low expectation thing, I just want a little bit of water. No, he wants you to be a fountain is what he wants. He wants you to be a fountain. If you understood the gift of God, if you understood the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for a drink of water, you would ask of him. Again, what Hannah said, and we, didn't, we haven't compared notes about what I was talking about today. 
But what God was asking her to do actually was for her as well as for this child. What God was asking her to do was not, what Jesus was asking the woman at the well for was, was water, but he was asking for her, something for her, not just for himself. The next one is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And it says this, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Can you read that with me? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Now let's say it one more time and emphasize the gift part, okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. We were watching a bad Christmas movie um, uh, recently. I just, I have such a hard time with some of these Christmas movies. And I'm not going to mention the name of it because it's probably going to be somebody's favorite Christmas movie. I can't believe how, you know, some things appeal to some people. Uh, but we're watching this Christmas movie, and it's a guy who is, play, you know, he's supposed to be Santa Claus. And, uh, you know, it's just like I'm squirming in my chair because it's so bad. It's just so, so bad. And they get to this point where the, the, these, these guys um, unwrap the gifts that Santa brings them, and it's coal and, uh, you know, like... When I was growing up, they, had, they said you'd get switches and ashes if you were bad. What a horrible, horrible story. Because Santa Claus isn't giving out gifts in that story. Santa Claus is giving out punishment and reward. That's not a gift. A gift is not a punishment. A gift is not a reward. Listen, a gift is not a reward. By grace you have been saved. It's a gift. It's not a reward. You can't earn it. Stop trying. Stop, stop looking at yourself the way that we look at ourselves. I'm going to get to that in a second. Switches and ashes? Lumps of coal? I mean, honestly, if God was going to give us what we deserve, that's what we would all get, and worse. He would light us up, man. He would send us to outer darkness. That's what we deserve. It's not about that. It's a gift. It's freely given. It's given from a heart of love. It's given from a heart of compassion. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. And just like these kids are unwrapping a gift, you know, as a presage to, to what is going to happen in, in a few weeks. Do you remember what this was like when you were growing up? I hope that your family celebrated Christmas. I hope that there was something to it, more than just the gifts. But, man, the gifts are a big deal. The expectation, the hope, the longing. As you look at that tree and, that, and, and the gifts that are, that are stacked up under that tree, I hope that your family, when you were growing up, made a big deal out of this because it's something to make a big deal out of. Not the Christmas aspect of it, but the gift aspect of it, that you are special and somebody loves you and somebody cares about you. And you're going to get something that you couldn't have earned and that you don't deserve from the heart of somebody. Listen to me. Love has to be unconditional. It has to be or it's not love. If it's earned, if it's based on performance, it's not love. It's something else. You know, I've, this past week, something I've been thinking about that is deep, and I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of it. But how many people do you know that are like, they've like walked away from God because they're disappointed in God? They've walked away from God because God, in their mind, has failed them. You know what the problem is? They may believe that God loves them unconditionally, but they're not loving God unconditionally. We have to love Him unconditionally. That's what real love is. If you say you love God, it's not based on his performance. It's not based on him doing what I expect him to do or do what I think is the right thing to do. If I'm loving him that way, that's not real love, man. Real love is not based on his performance. Real love is unconditional. And he loves me that way. I, I, there's not very many people that, that really get that, that get that that. He doesn't look at you and, and single you out because of any of your features or abilities or gifts. 
He loves you because he's a lover, because that's what he does. And because you're his child and you haven't earned it. You didn't ask for it. And in the same way that he loves us unconditionally, we have to love him unconditionally. It's a gift. When Jesus was talking to, uh, to Nicodemus um, in uh, the previous chapter to the, to the woman at the well, in John chapter 3, um, he told him that famous, uh, the, the famous uh, quote that we say all the time, that is, the reason why it's famous is because it is so definitive. John 3.16. It's one of those scriptures that just, it doesn't, doesn't need a deep interpretation. It just needs faith to, to grasp it. For God, so, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he, his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That's a gift. That's a gift. Nicodemus didn't understand it. When he's talking to the woman of the well, she didn't understand it either, but she believed. <laughs> she believed. That's all that matters. You're never going to wrap your head around it. I want to share three things about a gift that, uh, and if you'll, if you'll like um, uh, get a grip on this, you'll become a better gift giver. You'll become like God as a gift giver. The first question is, who gives it? Because when you open a gift, it says something about that person that gave it to you, right? Are, are you with me? So, and, and here's how it is with me. When somebody gives me a gift, almost always, every time, I use that or look at it or something like that. I remember that person that gave it. These shoes came as a gift uh, from my son, uh, Gabe, and his wife, um, uh, Roxana. Every time I wear these shoes, and I love these shoes. They're like, kind of like, I'm glad now that like shoes that people wear feel like slippers. This, these feel like slippers. They're so comfortable. I can wear them anywhere. They're probably not good for running fast. You know, but ever since I was a little kid, I don't really have much use for running shoes anymore. That was, that was what, you know, when I was little, that's what I always wanted to know about shoes. Can you run in them, you know? I'm not worried about running in them. I'm worried about comfort, you know? And every time I put these shoes on, I think about my son. And I think about the gift that he gave me. And I didn't ask for this. This was them saying, this would be nice for him to have, or he would like this. And man, they hit it right on the button. It was so perfect. I just, I, I just love that. And that's, that's what it is when we get a gift from God. It says something about who he is. Because we know, like some people know that there might be a God, but we know of so many aspects of him. And every one of those is a reason to love him. How well he knows us, how well he understands us, how he sees what we need. And I'm not just talking about salvation. That's the big one. But I'm talking about in your day-to-day life, the comfort, the care, the provision, the, the, the timing, everything about it says that you have a heavenly father that is not probably like your earthly father, oblivious. But he knows you. He understands you. And he gives gifts out of the goodness of his heart. It says something about the giver. Um, in Becky's family, uh, when she was growing up, she had a relative. I could probably tell you who the relative is because they're gone now. But uh, they, every year they gave the same gift to the kids. And like, I guess when you're three or four, you get it, and you're just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And when you're eight or nine, and you've been getting the same gift every year. It was a, um, you remember these um, uh, these lifesaver books that they gave. It's like lifesaver candies in a book every year. They got that. What does that say about them? You can say it. It says they're cheap. Okay? And you can say that because it was from her grandfather and her grandmother, and he loved the fact that people knew he was cheap. Like he would go to the grocery store and buy broccoli and he'd bring his pen knife with him so he could cut off the thick end of the broccoli because he didn't want to pay for that part of the broccoli. And he, like if you told that story, I could see the smile on his face already. Why is he giving that gift? 
It says something about him, doesn't it? It says that he's cheap. And he is. He was. And he was proud of that. That's what, I don't know if he was trying to communicate that or not. I don't know how much thought went into the thing. But I think once they decided they were giving these Lifesaver books, they knew it every year. And I can't, I, I can't look at a Lifesaver um, package or, or role without thinking about him and thinking about Becky. You know, because like when she tells that story, you can just see the, you know, the latent feelings that still are there from, from those gifts. <clears throat> if this is true, it says something about the giver. What does this, what does the, the gift of a child say about the giver? What does the, what does the gift of a child say about a giver? I'm a father of sons. And I, on, on the one hand, cannot even imagine a father giving his son. It's like somebody calling me and saying, hey, we got your son Gabe here um, and, uh, and he's scheduled for execution and it wasn't him that did the crime, we know it, but we're gonna put him to death for somebody else's crime. What? That's not justice, is it? That's what the father did for you. But it wasn't just giving his son, it was giving himself. So he laid down his life for you, and Jesus laid down his life for you as well. Just the depth of the understanding of what that means, of the giving heart of God. Listen, there is no limit to what he will do for you. If he did not spare his son, he will not spare any expense. He will not spare any time. He is perfect in his timing. Even if he seems slow to you, he is not slow. He is perfectly on time. And if right now you don't understand that, in the future you will. Maybe on this side of the grave, but certainly on the other side. You will understand that he would spare no expense. He would, he would cross any uh, barrier. Uh, he, would, he would bear any suffering for you. That's how much he loves you. It says something about the giver. The second thing is, is uh, how much does it cost? Um, and I know what you're thinking. It's like, do you really? Like when you get a gift, is that like the first thing that you think? I don't know, maybe. Sometimes I do, you know. Like how much does it cost? And I'm not talking about, you know, in a, uh, in a negative way, like I expect you to spend this amount of money. But when somebody gives you an extravagant gift, doesn't it kind of blow you away? I mean, doesn't it, isn't there something about that that you look at it and you're saying, I can't believe that you did this, listen to me, I'm not just talking about money. I'm not, I'm, when I'm talking about value, I'm not just talking about money, bottom line, you know? I mean, I think, I don't want to step on anybody's toes here, but I think giving a gift card is like, you know, kind of the lowest form of gift giving, you know? Did I, am, I, am I upsetting you? I'm not trying to upset you, okay? Sometimes that's like, some people just want money. That's, that's what they want. They don't want underwear, for sure. You know, give me whatever the $5 that the Hanes would cost. And, you know, and, but listen, even if you give a gift card, at least take time to, to put yourself into that gift somehow. Whether it's, whether it's an expression of something from your heart or whether it's an expression of something to them that values them that says something about them, that says something about what their interests are, what their hopes are, um, sometimes what their needs are. Gifts are not always practical, right? I mean, I learned this early in, in my marriage because, like, I would say, we'd, like, what does Becky need, you know? And so I would buy that, and she's just like, no, that's not what, no, I don't. Just because I need a broom doesn't mean that, you know, Christmas is an ideal time, you know, <laughs> to give a gift that's a practical you know, a practical need. It's like, it says something about me that I put, I put something into it of myself, right? How much does it cost? What, what is it costing me to do that? And, and so uh, at the end, I'm going to get down to what we can do to invest. But let me just tell you right now, everybody is in gifting mode, okay? I hope that you are. I hope that you're not skipping this season, and the, and the chance to interact with people that you may not always get to interact with, just think about it. Just think about how you can give a little bit of yourself to the people that you're giving a gift to. And even if it is a gift card, at least write a note. At least write a note. 
Every word of a note that comes from you, that comes from your heart, is precious to people that love you. Um, a few years ago, we had a, um, uh, we had a uh, tradition in my family of uh, exchanging names, but when we exchanged names, uh, we bought ornaments for each other. And, you know, that kind of seems, I don't know, I, I, that, that may seem like a, um, I don't know, like a, not that great of an idea, but it's such a great idea this year, this time of year, when you pull out all of the ornaments and you put them on the tree. Yesterday, I told you that my, my grandsons um, spent the night with us on Friday night, and uh, they were looking at the tree. And, uh, Cohen uh, was like, he said, this one is weird looking. What is this? And, uh, and I looked at it, and it was a, um, my brother from Baton Rouge, who passed away a few years ago, um, one year for, for his gift to me, um, was a Santa Claus painted um, on an okra pod. So it's an okra. It's like a long, you know, skinny okra with a little Santa head on the top of it. He also gave me one that was a Santa Claus ba uh, painted on an oyster shell. You know? Listen, that gift speaks every time I look at it. Every time. It didn't cost very much, but it was something of himself. It speaks of him and his value for me, but it also speaks of Louisiana, which is very close to my heart, you know, like a, an okra, a little okra on the, on the tree. Listen, my grand, grandsons don't even know what okra is, apparently. So, Caleb, man, come on. <laughs> and then the third one is, uh, what does it say? about me. What is, when they, when they give you a gift, have you ever like that opened a gift and you're just like, do you even know me? Do you have any idea who I am? You know, how, how is this? I, 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 my worst story about this is I gave Jesse a cup um, a couple of years ago that was a quote from Bob Dylan and it says, uh, all I can be is myself or all I can do is be me, um, whoever that is. And I gave Jesse the cup, and he looked at it, and he's just like, what does this mean? <laughs> and I'm like, it's a Bob Dylan quote. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we both like Bob Dylan, so, you know. I'm not saying that about you, Jesse, that, like, you can't figure out who you are, you know. It should say something about me. It, and what does, what does this gift say about me? It says that I am highly valued and dearly loved. Um, Jesus said, he, he gave us the definition of love. He said, greater love has no man. This is the way that love, you can define love, okay? Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for his friends. And he said, you are my friends. It also says this, this gift of God, this gift of this child, this son that God gave um, for the salvation of the world. It says, I need a savior. It says I'm not okay. He loves me, but he's also making it clear to me, I'm in great peril. I'm in great danger. We don't think our sin is that bad. That's why we as Christians need to consider the cross. That's why we need to think about the cross, and we need to meditate on the cross. The resurrection, yes, but there is no resurrection life without death. And why did he die? He died for my sins. Do you realize that your sins are that serious? I mean, I realize that I have sin, but I don't think anybody ought to die for it. And that's where I'm wrong. And that's where I don't understand. And that's why God gave me a gift before I even knew that I needed a gift. And when I look upon him, I realize that I need a savior. I need a savior. I am in great danger. It also means, this gift also means that I have an identity. He's the firstborn among many. And when I look at him, I don't just see him, but I see a generation. I see a family. I see the beginning of the dream of God coming to, coming to pass. I see a person who is walking in power and authority. I see a person that's walking in compassion. I see a person that's fearless that will not be boxed in, and he will not be defined by his time and by people of his, of his time. He is timeless. When I see that, I realize that that's who he has called and made me to be. 
And that's who he is shaping me to be. When I look at him, I see the image of God, but I also see the image that God is changing me into. And the fourth thing that it says about me is that I have a destiny. I have a destiny that I may not know. How long are you going to live? How long are you going to live? Somebody answer me. You you got it. Because you can't answer how long am I going to live on this side of the grave. Nobody can answer that. But in Jesus Christ, that's not the point anymore. I have a destiny. And that destiny is never going to be completely defined on this side of the grave. But on the other side of the grave, I will rejoice in every single victory on this side. On the other side of the of the grave I am going to rejoice in every single sin that was forgiven every single hardship that I've gone through every single dark place that I've been in in the darkness is where the light shines I have a destiny that is not here I am being formed and fashioned and made ready and 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 refined for something that is beyond here I have a hope in a joy that will remain forever and I have that joy now And though I am going through difficulties from time to time, and though I am tested and tried and pushed to the limit, and though I'm tempted to, to despair at times, I have a hope that is fixed, firmly fixed in my Savior. This time of the year when I hear the Christmas story over and over again, and we've heard it thousands, thousands of times. We've heard it, we've heard it, seen it portrayed and the, like the best one I, I recommend to you um, is the Christmas story that was made, I don't know, five or six, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe 10 years ago, um, actually. The Nativity. This is, um, this is a, a, a scene from the Nativity. Uh, huh? No, the Christmas story. No, that's the one where the guy has the lamp that's shaped like it, yeah. That, that's one of the movies that I hate at Christmas, I'm just telling you that. And it's not because of that lamp, it's just lame, the whole thing is. I, I, I can't understand why anybody, like, could relate to, like, oh, any, never mind, that's, I've stepped on your toes enough this morning. <laughs> no, so this is the nativity. I highly recommend this. I love the portrayal. One of the most touching parts of that movie Uh, is when Joseph tells Mary that he's going to marry her. It just breaks my heart every time to see the grace that he gave. He was a righteous man, and he loved God with all his heart, and he knew what he could do, and yet he chose not just to put her away quietly, which would have been, you know, mercy in the law, fulfilling the law, but also mercy, but he said, I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll marry you. And it was based on his love for God, not just his love for her. God loved him enough to tell him that he could have her, and so he gets to have the woman that he loves, and he gets to trust the Lord as well. It's just, that's one of the most beautiful scenes, but I just love it. There's not anything in it that I think is like lame or hokey or, you know, Hollywood always tries to add something to, you know, the story to spice it up, and this one has none of that. It's just a really good um, story. I just recommend it to you. Let me give you some tips for, um, uh, for this season, for being um, a good gift giver. And the first thing that I want to recommend to you is something that's coming this coming year. Um, we, uh, at our deacons and elders meeting uh, last week, uh, we had a guy uh, from the Luis Palau organization that came and talked to us and just told us about uh, what is going to be, what we're going to get to be a part of um, this coming year uh, in October of uh, 19. Uh, that's going to be a citywide uh, movement um, of churches uh, coming together. And he talked about some of the different um, activities that we're going to have. Here's where we're starting, okay? Everybody, we encourage everybody to identify five people that you know that need Jesus. And you begin to pray for them. Can you just pause right now and, like off the top of your head, could you just pause right now and make a list? I'll wait for a second. We're doing good on time. Just make a list of five people that you know, that you know, that need Jesus. Obviously, we all know a lot more people than five, 
but we want to target. We want to we aim small, miss small. Is that what it is from the Patriots? Aim small, miss small? And you just begin to pray for those people. Sometime during this season, sometime before, between now and, and, uh, and Christmas, uh, or be- between now and the, and the end of the year, which is quickly approaching, which is hard to believe, um, I w- I'm going to encourage you to just make a contact with that person. It may result in you being able to share your faith with them, but don't be disappointed if not, because we've got a long-range strategy here, Okay. We're going to begin to pray. We're going to begin to call upon God. We're going to begin to lift these people up before the throne of God. And what we're going to do on the earthly plane is begin to establish a relationship with them. Maybe that's deeper than one that we've had before. All I'm telling you is make a contact and, and take advantage of the opportunity to just go a little bit deeper with somebody. Okay? You, I pray that you will be able to lead them to the Lord But the Bible tells us one plants, another waters. God's the one that gives the increase. Maybe you're there to water. Maybe you're there to be a fountain springing up to everlasting life and just encourage and just refresh uh, and just, you know, be a source of, of love to that person, okay? But sometime in this season, sometime during this time, make a contact with those people. If you have a, if you have a Christmas list, let me just encourage you, before you wrap the um, Lifesavers and, and, you know, and give it to them, just stop and say a little prayer for them, okay? Or as you're wrapping the Lifesavers, say a little prayer. And let that prayer inform how you would write a little card to them. Because I can tell you, and I've said this before, I know it, maybe I've overused it, but when somebody gets a card from you, Hallmark may be able to say something witty, you say something that matters, and isn't that true? When you open up a card, don't you look first at what they wrote in the card, not what Hallmark said? There's lots of times that I open up a card, I don't even read what Hallmark says. I don't really even care what Hallmark says. Because Hallmark's not going to say what this person really wants to say. And I would rather hear it in halting, you know, clumsy language than to hear it some, somebody else say something that really, you know, is not that person, not that expression. So pray for your your list before you give them. Figure out a way to give out of your heart, okay? If you cook, cook something for, not, not for me. I was, well, I was going to say for me, but you can cook something for me, but cook something that, that is an expression of your life. If you're a crafter, it doesn't have to be something extravagant, just something that says, that has your fingerprints on it and your handprints on it. God gave gifts. He gave personally. That's what he wants us to do. So so be intentional uh, with that. And then finally, like I was telling you about the the Christmas ornaments, the thing that stands out is that it comes out year after year after year after year after year. Put something into it or or put some thought into something that will last. And a Christmas ornament may seem, you know, to you as like an insignificant gift, but it's not insignificant when they see it every year, every year that it comes up. And it doesn't have to be a Christmas ornament. Use your own creativity and your own imagination as a way to speak to a person and, and, and let your love for that person be reiterated over and over and over again through the years. Amen? Everybody? Everybody with me? Okay, we're going to close. Um, and uh, I'll give you an opportunity to respond. If you want prayer this morning, you certainly um, can come, and I'll be glad to pray for you. Um, and let's stand together. And we're going to worship for a few minutes, and then, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship. 
worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Peace on the earth, peace on the earth. Maybe it's the first season after losing a loved one. Uh, maybe it's the fifth or tenth season after losing a loved one. But every time that this rolls around, that there's just an emptiness there. Let's lift them up before the Lord this morning, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're the God of all comfort. I thank you, Lord, that when we look in this little manger scene, it so profoundly reminds us that there is no price that you will not pay for us, that you have given it all. You have given of yourself you have given yourself to us and I just pray Lord Jesus that those who are brokenhearted during this season would know the comfort that only comes from God we're so bad at doing it Lord but you're so good at doing it and I pray Lord that you would mobilize us Lord Jesus to reach out to people to touch lives Lord Jesus with the good news with the joy of, of our, our salvation that it would be infectious. I pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunities in our families uh, as we gather, Lord, to celebrate uh, at times through this season and to gather with those that we work with, Lord, um, those, Lord Jesus, that live around us, Lord, the neighborhoods that we live in, our friends, um, people that we share life with, Lord. I just pray that as we go into this season, that we go into this season intentional, Lord, about being givers. And giving not just of things and of money, but giving of ourselves. Make us, Lord Jesus, good at touching lives with the good news of Jesus Christ. Make us good, Lord, at caring for people the way that you care for people. Let us shine as lights, Lord Jesus. What an opportunity it is, Lord Jesus, during this season. What an opportunity it is to share the hope that is within us and the true meaning, the true significance of what Christmas really means, Lord just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.